Loving God, we thank you for having prepared the way for us through your servant, John the Baptist. Give us grace to walk in that way which leads to abundant life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever noticed that it's often easier to do something once someone has shown you how to do it? Whether it's a golf swing, singing a particular melody, having a difficult conversation, or learning how to tie a knot. When we can watch or hear someone do it first, not only do we get a better sense of what it is we are to do, but we also gain confidence in knowing that the task can actually be accomplished. Every second Sunday of Advent, John the Baptist appears in our gospel text just as he appeared in the wilderness of Judea proclaiming the message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now we can look at John as an eccentric prophet who ate locusts and wild honey and think, I am nothing like that. Or we can understand him in the way that the Gospels portray him as the new Elijah and think, well, I would never be called to that. But instead of distancing ourselves from John, our faith is strengthened if we see John as a model for us. John the Baptist is a biblical character that I have always identified with, and not just because I like to call people a brood of vipers. <laughs> to be clear, Following Jesus is always the name of the game. But I don't know about you all, but being told that I'm supposed to follow God incarnate is a bit of a stretch for me. Yes, by the Holy Spirit, we are given the power to do just that, to follow Christ. But just because we know what we are called to do, it does not mean that we know how we are supposed to do it. God knows this about us and therefore has inspired the saints to be models for us in faith, to show us how the light of Christ can shine through cracked vessels, imperfect people who live busy lives. We have the witness of the saints. When done well, art can capture a truth that would take hundreds of words to say otherwise. An example of this is how John the Baptist is depicted in the Eisenheim altarpiece, one of the most well-known depictions of the crucifixion. The painter, Matthias Grunewald, uses artistic license to have John the Baptist present at the crucifixion, which he most certainly was not, given that he had already been beheaded by Herod. But he's in the painting. And in the painting, John the Baptist is motioning towards the crucified Christ, as if to say, that's what it's all about. This act of directing others to Jesus is a model of faithfulness for us all. In every sermon, in every conversation, in every interaction, in every decision, we strive to follow the example of John and help others to come and see the difference that Christ makes. There are three ways that John the Baptist is a model for us. He is a pointer, a paver, and a prophet. Now, I find it to be helpful to hear the biblical text in different translations than we are accustomed to. And there's a translation lately that I've been using that I have found to be quite good. 
It's a new translation called the First Nations Version, a translation of the New Testament written by the indigenous peoples of this land. And in this translation, John's ministry is described in this way. He began to speak out a message that was loud and clear. It is time to return to the right ways of thinking. The Creator's good road from above is close. It is time to begin walking it. Well, John models for us what right thinking and right walking look like. It begins with John as a pointer. As I've mentioned, in that altarpiece, John is pointing to Jesus. And above him is painted something that he will say later in the gospel narrative. He must increase and I must decrease. Beloved, this is the path of faith. To live in a way that proclaims that message. Jesus must increase and I must decrease. That sort of pointing is about humility and grace. It's about humility because we are saying that we are not the main attraction. We are not the stars of the show. We are not the solution to the world's problems. And so when we receive an award or a raise or a compliment, we respond with not aw shucks, but to God be the glory. As we sang on Thanksgiving Day, all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. And so we point in gratitude and praise to the God from whom all blessings flow. And this leads us right into the abundant grace of God. If we're pointing at Jesus, then we are testifying to the fact that he has done for us all that needs to be done. Meaning we are not responsible for our own salvation. God's grace is unrestricted and unlimited. And so while coming to church is a good thing to do, I recommend it. It does not earn us any further favor with God because God does not hold anything back from us. Being generous with our time and money, wonderful things to do. But God loves us and accepts us even before we've thought about doing such things. Jesus is at the center of all things. And by pointing to Jesus, we are by default pointing away from ourselves. We have nothing to prove to the world or to God. And so instead of always working to make ourselves look good, we can enjoy the grace that we've already been given in Christ. We point to Jesus as a way of saying, sure, I might be a mess, but Jesus loves me, this I know, and that is enough. In pointing to Jesus, not only do we help other people to see this love that makes all things well, but we are reminded of the peace that passes all understanding. John is also a paver. We heard Matthew quote Isaiah, noting that John will prepare the way of the Lord. And though we didn't hear it in today's passage, we all know it because of Handel's Messiah. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill be made low, the crooked straight and the rough places plain. There are things in our society that need to be torn down and there are things that need to be lifted up. This is what John did and models for us how we continue to prepare the way of the Lord. Now, of course, as I've said, it's always about grace. But grace does not mean that we just sit around and sip tea until the end of time. 
No, as John tells us, the axe is lying at the root of the tree. The fruits of grace, love, and mercy are to grow in us. Cultivating this fruit and paving the way of the Lord is how we participate in this good news that has been given to us to share. So what needs to be lifted up? Well, those who are ignored, persecuted, and suffer in our society. Those in poverty, those who struggle with addiction, those who committed a crime, did the time, but still have not been given a clean slate. Children who are left behind by an underfunded and undersupported public education system. Those crushed by educational and medical debt. Now, yes, these are big issues, and I am not at all suggesting that we can solve them as individuals. The question, though, for us to ask is whether or not we are obstacles to people living lives of dignity and value, or are we pavers of beloved community? And what needs to be brought low? There is far too much callous hatred in our society for those who voted differently than we did, those who are on the other side of the issue. Violence in word and deed is far too common in our homes and in public. Our society is infected with racism and white supremacy. Our gluttonous appetite for consumerism and always having more is literally setting the world on fire, wreaking havoc on the earth. Homophobia, ableism, xenophobia are far too common. And of course, we always count the wrong metrics. Wealth, influence, size, outward appearances. Part of following John, the paver, is to work to straighten these places in our lives and in our world that sin has made so crooked. Now again, I'm under no illusion that we will ever eliminate hatred, poverty, or greed. I would not even say that's our job to do that, because we are not the Messiah. But Jesus has shown us his most excellent way of love. We don't have to chart the course. We don't have to lay out the road. But we can do as John the Baptist shows us how to do. We can pave that way so that it will be easier to travel. John is also a prophet. That is, he tells the truth. Ultimately, this is what leads to his beheading because the truth cowers before no ruler. And if there is only one thing that Christians get right, just one thing that we could do, it should be truth-telling. Because Jesus tells us that he is the truth and that the truth is what makes us free. The truth of God's forgiveness is what frees us from the guilt of our sins. The truth of God's love frees us from the finality of death. The truth of God's presence among us is what frees us from ever being rejected or alone. Pointing to this truth, though, can be dangerous because it is often an inconvenient truth to the status quo. Naming the truth that some things need to be brought low will offend those on thrones and in high places. Testifying to the truth that some things need to get lifted up will be unsettling to those who like it when things stay in their places. 
Telling the truth of God's love for all people will challenge the barriers and the walls that we have built to separate us one from another. Claiming any truth instead of just saying, well, whatever floats your boat will subvert our culture's narrative of don't you tell me what to do. And our reaction to Jesus, the truth, should tell us all that we need to know about how it really is true that we cannot handle the truth. We crucified the truth. Because as T.S. Eliot put it in one poem, humankind cannot bear very much reality. Despite all of this, John remains a model for us of prophetic truth-telling. And the truth is, life is too precious. Life is too holy. Life is too short for anything other than the truth. For in telling the truth, we draw near to God. Each of us are blessed with opportunities and occasions to point to the love of God in Christ, both as a means of bringing others to Jesus and as a way of reminding ourselves who is at the center. We live in a world that needs certain things to be lifted up and other things to be brought down. This calling and this vision is what becoming beloved community is all about. We have been gifted with a vision of the truth of God in the flesh of Jesus Christ and endowed with the Holy Spirit of truth so that we can testify to the truth until, as Isaiah put it, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Even as John preached out in the wilderness, it might feel sometimes like we are living in the wilderness. And yet John the Baptist remains our model for walking in the way of Jesus. We point, we pave, we prophesy. As we strive to follow this way of Jesus, we take the blessing from Romans with us. May the God of hope fill us with joy and peace in believing so that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.